1: Down Raiders would you believe it
0: this is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 here's your boy Q
2: what is something that you really want to focus on each day at Raiders training camp what would you like a daily report on obviously we're going to talk about the offensive line we're going to talk about the skill position we're going to talk about the running back I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of every element that we could find to talk about training camp we're going to do it but what are you most focused in on is the question that I've been asking at 702-365-9200. Also, the Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. And if you were with us in the last hour, you heard us talking to Jesse Merrick. I pointed out Jarrett Stidham. And I'll tell you, I think I told three or four people standing there while we were watching that, man, look at that arm on Jarrett. Like, he has a real deal arm. I'm really pulling for him. I like Nick Mullins. I really do. But I would love to see Jarrett Stidham beat him out for the backup quarterback position. Not because Nick Mullins is a bad quarterback, but I just – because one, because I know Jarrett Stidham, and two, what I saw from him when he was in college and high school, I knew he had the goods. And, look, the expectations in New England were very high for him. If he can make that transition to here, to Vegas, with the Raiders – and find him a little a, a role on the team, a backup quarterback, a guy that can help teach the offense because, look, they traded for him. It's not like they just picked him up off the, the waiver wire or they, they signed him as a free agent on a you know, little minimum deal or whatever. I mean, they literally traded for him, so they, they, they wanted him. I just think that, that that could be a big-time player for the Raiders, even if he's not even the backup this year. You know, Nick Mullins is on a one-year deal. Maybe they hold on to three quarterbacks and then Jarrett Stidham is the the primary backup next year. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is, but I'll tell you from what I saw from today, again, early on, I have to continue to caution that because we always find someone in training camp that we fall in love with and think that, oh, man, this guy's going to be great. It was just the first day. There were no pads. There were no one-on-one drills. But some of those passes that he had, whether it was the Foster Moreau, whether it was the Darren Waller, uh, if it was Hunter Renfro, whoever it was, those passes were on point. Now, he did have to take a lap one time. Him and Andre James had to take a lap one time uh, as they had a fumbled snap. There was multiple guys that uh, had to take a lap today. And, look, I like that. I think that that's great. You know, accountability, discipline, whatever you want to call it, I think it's good. And, you know, multiple players have talked about that, that the players are doing that on their own. But, obviously, they were, they were you know, not instructed, but it was a suggestion from the coaching staff to make sure that they did something to, to hold themselves and, and make sure that there was some kind of, you know, consequence for a bad play. Uh, I think Andre James even said that today, like, hey, it was a bad play. Bad plays happen? Oh, you know, there's got to be some kind of consequence for us. So uh, I, I could appreciate that, and I think that that's going to go a long way. Now, I know we've got a uh, couple patient callers, and we do appreciate your patience at 702-365-9200. Let's start things off with Passionate Raider. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show.
1: What's what's up, my man good afternoon man man it's, this is this is great man this is just I just want to I just want to say man as, as a as a lifelong Raider fan what we're getting what we're hearing about this team right now and, and everything we have in place right now man if this ain't the best feeling in a long time I I, I I can't recall one but I gotta bounce back and listen to what max said yesterday about we haven't even played yet yep. you know we just we still just gotta gotta fall back and, and just realize that hey, it's still. But it, but when you look at it, it's just hard not to <laughs> not to salvage over it, man, because it's just so real right now. But and like and like and like, I'm all about having a good backup quarterback, and I'm on the same thing, man. You have to have because if something happens, he that has to be your most second most valuable piece on the team. But what I'm looking at, Q, is I, I still I'm on the offensive line, man, because. With all these weapons we have, I mean, you're throwing Mac Hollins in the mix now. I mean, Darren Wallace, Foster, the running back. I mean, I mean, all Derek needs is 1.8, 1.8, two seconds. Give this man two seconds. There has got to be somebody open. There is no way any defense, I don't care who it is, I have four Cleo Max across the line. How do you? How <laughs> is this going to stop? How are you going to be able to stop this? Right. So this whole year... This whole year is going to revolve around that offensive line and that defensive line. Those are the two spots that I'm looking at this year that I want to hear about every day in training camp, those two spots. Max's, Max's side and Derek's side. Them two, from what they say, the best of is man. He put it up yesterday. Max put it up yesterday. This is a lifestyle. We've been waiting for this for years, my whole life. let go. Raiders, come on, you get fired
2: up! There he goes, right there, passionate Raider, bringing the heat, and uh, yeah, I man, it's hard to not get caught up in in the hype and the excitement of training camp, but uh, you do have to do just like. You know, Max Crosby said yesterday, you know, everyone's got to really be able to keep it in perspective. There's so many times that teams come out of training camp and even out of the preseason you know, and, and have, like, a good record in preseason. like, oh, man, this team's going to be great. This team's going to be fantastic, and they're going to stink. You know, I mean, one one team that, that stood out to me in a major way I'll never forget is Art Shell the second time. Uh, I, I continue to go back to that. When Art Shell was the head coach of the Raiders the second time, I think the Raiders lost one game in preseason, and they were looking good. And what did the, what did the Raiders end up winning that year, like two games? I think it was like two games. And, man, but I tell you, I was so excited about what Art Shell was doing. I was like, man, the second coming of Art Shell is going to be all good. They're winning games in preseason. Well, that just lets you know that it really doesn't matter what they do in preseason. And, you know, when you get excited about training camp and get excited about certain guys in training camp, a lot of times you fall in love with the name, not fall in love with their game. So we'll see. You know, again, it's just just day one. And there's going to be days where we come in here and be like, yeah, today didn't look like a very good day of practice. Today was not very good at all, you know. So it's a he on that
3: team, uh, who had you
2: excited? Um, I don't really particularly know. Randy Moss was on that team. Kerry Collins was on that team. They had, I mean, they had players, but they were winning in tra- in training camp. And oh or, no, and, no, no, no!
3: Um, this this year, that two and fourteen year. Yeah, the quarterbacks were Andrew Walter and Aaron Brooks. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Aaron, I, don't, I don't know.
2: Like, so who were you excited about? Maybe it was Aaron Brooks. It might have, it must have been Aaron Brooks because it sure wasn't Andrew Walter. They both started eight games apiece. Yeah, the, the, and, and it's it's damn near like they didn't start any. But the offensive coordinator, uh, who was it? Tom Walsh. When he had his uh, bed and breakfast scheme, it was terrible. Uh, but Randy was on that team too, right? Randy was on that team. That was the te- that was the year that he tapped out and didn't do anything, as. As the rest of the team didn't do anything either. I mean, they went two and fourteen. So he well, had
3: forty-two catches, Randy Moss.
2: Right, exactly. He he was. That was when he was on the. You would see him on the bench, and he just had his head back, and it was almost like you know. Sometimes I'm at the house, and I'm like, yeah, just take me out back and take put me out of my misery. It's almost like it's almost like that. That's that was his that was his approach. Just just put me out of my misery. Um, what was their record in preseason though? Three and one. I think they lost the last game.
1: I'll try to find the preseason record. Oh, it's
2: easy. All you got to do is go to whatever website you're on right now and just check out the preseason. But anyway, it's not a big deal. I just know that that was – I did think that they were going to be good that year. And who knows what the reasoning was. Maybe I had some uh, some really good adult beverages in my system at the same time. I don't know. Who knows why. But the point is you can't get too high on what you do in training camp or what you see in training camp and what you see in the preseason. You can't get too low either because some teams just don't really – you know, go into it and, and really worry about it too much, and they just go through, not through the motions, but, you know, they're not going for win-losses because that doesn't matter in preseason. But, yeah, there you go. So, my bad. Thanks for calling me out on that one, DeMond. I appreciate you. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up on the Ash text line at 69187, keyword r and and d is it me, or does today feel like Christmas as our Raiders are officially back on the field? I'm going to keep it real. I can't express how excited I am to have football officially back. Day one of many days are coming up here in training camp. However... I could probably speak on all of Raider Nation that we look forward to this journey for the upcoming 2022 season. I hope we get solid competition, but most importantly, injury free would be a big win heading into the regular season. Thanks, Q, and DeMond for holding it down today. Raiders. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Uh, also got a text from Geese Mode. Practice? You talking about practice, Q? Practice, not a game. But practice, LOL, for real. would love to hear more answers to the questions we've all had over the offseason. How's the O-line shaping up? How is Leatherwood progressing? What about the secondary? How's Patrick Graham's scheme working? How about Josh McDaniel's scheme? Anyways, you and DeMond, the boss, being the best content every day, bringing the best content every day. Uh, So just keep doing what you're doing. Let's go Raiders. That's from Geese Mode, so uh, good stuff right there. Uh, One more text from East Bay Raider Greg Q. I'm looking for coverage on DBs and wide receivers honorable mention O-line coaching. So there's just a few uh, notes right there from some uh, really good texts on the Salmonash text line of what they're looking for as far as training camp coverage and uh, you know what the focus should be in on. And so as you could tell, there's been a lot of different subjects. There's been a lot of different focuses. Of course, the offensive line is the recurring theme, but there's been a lot of different areas. One, one, theme that I was looking at today, I was really paying attention to uh, A.J. Cole when he was punting. You know, I think uh, Gangster Raider brought up the the uh, special teams unit. He brought that up, I think, a couple weeks ago, talking about Coach McMahon as the, as the special teams coach. And when he was in Denver, things didn't go so great. So, A.J. Cole, we know he's a hell of a punter. We know Daniel Carlson's a, a Pro Bowl kicker. I mean, we, we just know that those guys can get it done, right? So I'm interested in seeing how they continue how's that trajectory go you know do they continue to thrive and and and, you know um, perform at a very high level or does he switch things up like he did in Denver you know I mean that's and and I don't know I don't want to say I don't know what I'm looking for I just don't know like what tweaks he could be making so as I'm watching AJ Cole punt today I'm just looking for distance I'm looking for um For hang time and placement. You know, that's that's basically what I'm looking for. I don't know what technique Coach McMahon might be coaching up, but I just – I know what I know, and I know what, you know, a good placement of a ball looks like. I know what good hang time looks like, and I know obviously what good distance looks like. So – Uh, Those are some focuses that I definitely have is the special teams unit. And Daniel Carlson, I just think that he's the solid of the solid. He's going to continue to do what he wants or continue to do what he does. But especially A.J. Cole as far as punting, I'm very interested in that. 3.14 is the time. We'll come back. We'll hear from Deron Harmon. He met with the media a little earlier today. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.
0: Welcome back back to Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
1: I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's
0: your boy Q.
2: At 3.30, we'll have Ari Mayroff from Pro Football Focus. He'll talk all things NFL plus expectations for the silver and black. What he's thinking, what his colleagues there at Pro Football Focus are thinking of the opportunity that the Raiders have this upcoming season as they've opened up training camp officially at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Earlier today... At the practice facility, we had a chance to talk to multiple players, inclu- including safety Jeron Harmon. Here's that conversation.
4: There it is. You're <laughs> <He's> good. <laughs> <laughs> first practice uh, in the books. Um, as a veteran player, mm-hmm. does this lose any excitement or nerves or anxiety uh, coming out here for the first time?
3: Just I think it's always nerves, um, and I think it's nerves from excitement. Um, I'm fortunate and blessed to be able to go into my my 10th training camp, uh, which is kind of crazy to say because it feels like yesterday when I just entered the league. Um, But it's just a a wonderful opportunity. And uh, every time I get to take that feel, um, I try to make the most of it because I know um, I'm closer to the end than I am the beginning. So nerves but excitement at the same time.
4: You were part of some great teams uh, in New England. Um, The last couple of stops were different situations, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, what was it about the Raiders that you saw that that, might, that, that gave you the ind- indication that you might be closer to what was going on mm-hmm.
3: with the Uh The first thing um, was the coaching staff. Um, just familiarity there, um, obviously, with uh, Josh and uh, PG. Um, then obviously knowing Dave as well, working with him in New England. Um, but then the second thing was just the talent. Um, this is a very, very talented football team. Um, talent doesn't always win you games. Um, you have to be a well coach. Um, fundamentally sound football team, but starting with a talent, the team usually helps. So, um, coaching staff and talent was the main reasons.
5: Has it been uh, kind of a seamless action for you to be a leader? Just walk in and just obviously lead. the segment. Has it been seamless for you? Easy to just walk in and help guys along?
3: Uh, yeah, just because that's just my personality. Um, um, I've been fortunate enough to be around some tremendous leaders. Obviously, you know Tom Brady, uh, Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty. Um, and just watching them as I I grew in the league, Um, I wanted to be like those guys, Um, not just from a a playing standpoint, obviously those are tremendous football players, but just how they lead, um, how they were accountable, how each and every day um, they came in and did whatever they could for the team. So just trying to take what I was taught, um, pay it forward um, to the young guys so that eventually when when Trey is in year eight, year nine, um, he's doing the same thing.
2: What have you
3: seen from Trayvon so far early on? Uh, just a, a talented football player. You know, the, the guy went the Thorpe. So, you know, obviously the talent is there. But then just the uh, will to get better. I mean, he's, he's been in my back pocket the whole time, just trying to figure out, hey, am I doing this right? Um, what can I improve on? So you see a guy that's willing to put in the work um, to get to ultimately where he wants to be, which is being one of the, the better safeties in the league.
2: Being this far within your career, what do you think is one of the keys that's helped you maintain
3: this longevity? Always trying to get better. Just always, always trying to get better. Always trying to improve something. Because, I mean, it's a cliche saying, but um, you're either getting better or worse. Um, It's cliche, but it's the truth. The moment that you think um, you have arrived, the moment somebody's right behind you and going past you, because this is a competitive league, you know, it's under 1% to get here. And, like, I'm just working. Always trying to get better.
5: Hey, Darius, Tashawn Reed from the athletic. Um, you know, speaking of Trayvon, both him and, and Jonathan Abram mentioned in OTAs that you were pretty helpful, helpful you know, to them right away. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you balance that as a player, where obviously you're competing with them for reps and things mm-hmm. of that nature, but you're also trying to help them improve?
3: At the end of the day, all, I'm, all I care about is winning. That's it. You know, the best players are going to play. Um, I'm not going to not help them because I'm pe- competing against them. Like, I want I want a room to be filled with people who who cheer each other on. Like, regardless who is out there, because at the end of the day, we have a talented room. Young, but talented room. So it's my job to bring everybody, not just my job, it's the, the room's job, to, to, to elevate the level of play, to compete against each other, but at the same time create a true brotherhood where we're can, competing and rooting for each other at the same time. <laughs>
1: Like, for you, working under the Patrick Graham system, there seems to be a lot of the talk of sub-defense. Mm-hmm. From your perspective and what you're learning with the installs, what's that like for you in your position?
3: Oh, it's fun. I mean, it's I mean we talk about it all the time. It's a, a, a multiple defense. You know, it can be sub, it can be base. Um, a lot of different, you know, personnels. And it's fun because at the end of the day, we try to, you know, just match our personnels um with the offensive personnel and when you have a young and and talented and uh team and, and defense like this you know we have a good chance to you know be able to match personnel's with with a lot of different teams
4: what have you seen from um the made a lot of moves at quarterback this year mm-hmm. um, what have you seen from that from that group from your vantage
3: point guys just working you know, just everybody trying to compete. Everybody trying to do their job. Everybody trying to work to the best of their ability so that when it's time to, you know, to have the two or three guys out there, um, the work is going to be put in and it's going to be evident who is going to be the guys that are going to be out there.
0: what, what kind of a leader is Denzel Perryman on defense? He's one of only two linebackers mm-hmm. that are returning to this team, mm-hmm. but he's definitely got a certain swag to
3: him out there too. For sure. Um, Denzel is a... Uh, <laughs> Off the field, he's very he's very loose. He's very you know funny. He's a great guy to be around. You know he's always you know keeping it light, um, always cracking jokes. Um, just and then the life of the party. But then when he goes on the field, it's like a a, a, a switch just just clicks on. You know he's very determined. Um, he's very focused um, and bring great leadership uh, to our defense, not only to our defense but our team. Um, and uh, we look up to him, and we're going to need him to be the best, the best version of himself and the best leader so that we can be the best defense that we can be.
6: You mentioned talent doesn't always necessarily win games. There's those little things you have to learn. How much do you look at it as your responsibility to kind of tell these guys, you know, 10th year, you've been mm-hmm. around these many teams, exactly what those little details are? and How much can be done right mm-hmm. now to determine
4: if those things are to be done during the season?
3: Well, well, I don't think it's just my job. I think it's, it's the whole defense job. I think it's everybody just being accountable to one each other, being able to say, hey, you didn't, you know, you didn't hold your leverage right there. We need you to hold your leverage. Or you didn't give your best effort right there. Or you didn't, you know, uh, force the ball back inside. You know, because like you said, it's, it's just little things. And it's little things that turn into big things that actually end up making you lose games. So I think it's just us all being accountable to one each other. And if that happens, uh, think we'll be fine.
4: Along those lines, I saw a few times where the center and quarterback missed Nick Mm exchange, and they're running laps. Mm -hmm. I don't often see that in the NFL, but um, does that speak to that accountability that you're talking about?
3: Without a doubt, you know, because it's a mistake. So mistakes cost you. So at that point in practice, it might not cost you the game, but it's going to cost you a lap. And if you ask those guys, after you run that lap, you're a little tired, you know, and then you have to go back and still have to focus. So... uh, it's just, like you say, it's just a, a part of the accountability that we want to have amongst this team.
5: Deron, you mentioned coaching staff, familiarity, of course, with Josh, even though he's on the other side of the ball, uh, with New England. Uh, were there any other coaches that you were familiar with uh, that, are, that are over here that enticed you to leave Atlanta and come here?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, obviously, Chris Ash, I was able to uh, uh, meet him when he was at Rutgers, and we had a uh, uh, mutual friends, him and Brendan Daly, who was at the Patriots at the time, were I think college roommates. So we had that connection and being able to already know him, know what he expects, know how good of a coach he is. Then obviously um on the uh offensive side of the ball, I knew Mick. Um so uh and I knew Dave, you know, Dave and I just knew what these guys stood for, you know. I knew what type of team they wanted to build. Um and I knew what I wanted to be a part of and um the Raiders organization is exactly what I wanted to be a part of. All right, guys, have a good one. Pleasure to meet you guys.
2: There he goes right there at safety, Deron Harmon. He's uh, it's a, it's a guy that I'm expecting to to get a lot of burn across from uh, Trayvon Merrick when this season comes up. But uh, it was a good little uh, session with him earlier today. Kind of dropped some good little nuggets, and he's a guy that's expected to be a leader on the back end of that Raiders defense. So uh, good stuff right there. From Jerron Harmon. 325 is the time when we come back. Ari Mayrod from Pro Football Focus. He'll be our guest. We'll talk all things NFL. We'll talk about the Silver and Black. We'll talk about Josh McDaniels, Devontae Adams, and more. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness, roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's
2: your boy Q. As I'm looking up at the TV here at the home studio, seeing Josh McDaniels talking to the media, seeing the Raiders out there on the practice field, today was the first day of practice, so a lot of expectations. A lot, uh, lot of buzz around the silver and black. And, of course, we'll get back into some more of that right now. On the phone lines from Pro Football Focus is our good friend Ari Mayrov. You can find him on Twitter at MySportsUpdate. And, Ari, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, my man. Kyler Murray, he gets the bag. Man, what was your expectation? Or what not expectations, but what was your uh, thoughts when you saw how much money Kyler Murray signed for and how does that affect what's going on with Lamar Jackson and his contract extension thoughts?
5: Well, you know, it's very interesting. I think we all anticipated this getting done, really because the tone where it was back in February and March with the scrubbing of the Instagram, the agent posting that whole um, all-cap statement, which, you know, created a lot of drama. All the drama just quieted down, which let us know that these talks are ongoing. It was clearly going well, and it finally got done today when quarterbacks are reporting in Arizona, a very big deal for Kyler Murray. Really, the one thing that everybody's been keeping an eye on with this negotiation, especially agents around the NFL, was really to see if this deal will be a similar type of deal to what Deshaun Watson got. What I mean is that Deshaun Watson obviously got a fully guaranteed, $230 million deal. A lot of people around the NFL wanted to see if the next quarterback contract will try to follow that, or is the Watson deal an outlier? And seeing the actual numbers here for Kyler Murray, he gets $100 million fully guaranteed in this deal, $160 million total guaranteed. Not the whole thing. So it sounds like moving forward with quarterback contracts, a lot of these teams and owners, for all these other quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, they're going to tell them, hey, you know, to the Sean Watson thing, it was, it was a specific type of case. You had four different teams really trying to get in. Essentially, he was a free agent, and all these teams really try to get in. For us, for Kyler Murray, for example, we still had multiple years of control. Lamar Jackson, there's still three more years of control over there. So I think this lets us know that for the other quarterbacks moving forward, they'll still be getting some gigantic contracts. I just don't know if they'll be able to get fully guaranteed deals like Deshaun Watson got.
2: You know, speaking of some of those quarterbacks, you got Joe Burrow, you've got a, uh, uh, you got Justin Herbert with the Chargers. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence turns out to be a real deal guy, now that he's got Doug Peterson as his head coach, I mean, those. I mean, when you look at those kind of contracts, how, I mean, we're talking about monster deals. How big of a monster deal do you think those guys could be in line for?
5: So we have Lamar Jackson. Obviously, we're still waiting on that one. He's obviously negotiating with Adam an Eugene, and the Ravens are one of the best teams in not having stuff leaked. So we'll see how that all goes. They're keeping it very close to the vest. Next year is when we get to Burrow and Herbert. And Mm -hmm. considering when the new TV money starts kicking in for the salary cap, and the cap is really going to start skyrocketing eventually also with all the betting money that is coming in, I think we'll eventually start seeing these quarterback contracts reaching 50, 55 and eventually hitting $60 million per year in the coming years, simply because the cap is going to continue to skyrocket. So, like the Kyler Murray situation, you're taking a five-year extension. I know Arizona was trying to get it to a six-year extension, so he'll be under contract for eight more years. They didn't want to do that because they want to be back, in, back at the table nego- negotiating before he turn 30 and when the money will be much more. So same thing with Dak Prescott, he signed a four-year deal a couple years ago. He'll probably be back at the table next year negotiating. So a lot of these quarterback deals... They're trying to make it a little bit shorter than usual because they know that like, the captain will keep on skyrocketing and the contract will keep on going up and up.
2: I'll tell you, uh, a lot of these teams are looking smart for getting these contracts done already with their quarterbacks, like the Chiefs. I remember when Patrick Mahomes' deal looked like it was such a monstrous deal, and you know Derek Carr just recently got extended with the Raiders, and his is nowhere close to any of that, so uh, there's a a lot of teams that look really smart right now. Again, we're talking with Ari Mayrod for Pro Football Focus here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, one Raider that wants a contract extension is Darren Waller. We know that he's one of the best uh, tight ends in the league. You at least have to say he's top three. He has two years left on his deal this year and next year, but no guaranteed money. What would you do, Ari, if you're the Raiders in the front office? What would you do to kind of appease him? He's already in camp. He's already participating, but, of course, he wants more money.
5: Yeah, I think you can make an argument that Darren Waller has been one of the most underpaid players in the league the last couple of years. Really one of the best deals for a team um, has been his contract, the way he's played. And now that he's 30 years old with a new system coming in, Obviously, the best-case scenario would be to figure something out and get a long-term deal done. or at the very least, at least renegotiate that deal to add some more money and some more guarantees in there so you get up there in the market. The complicated part really just gets with the tight-end market because, really, when you look around the NFL, a lot of these markets, whether it's wide receiver, quarterbacks, offensive tackles, edge rushers, the money keeps on going up and up and up every single year. Like, it, it always resets. The tight end market has really been stuck for several years. There's a bit of a reasoning behind it. I don't want to get into that whole situation right now. But George Kittle is on top of it at $15 million a year. Meanwhile, the wide receiver market is almost double that. So, really, a lot of these tight ends want to at the very least get to 15 just so they're on par with the tight ends. But they're looking at some of these other positions who are getting way more than them. And tight ends do all the dirty work. They're also catching. Darren Waller is exceptional as a receiver. So, really, where is that sweet spot number for him, especially now that he is in this offense? When you think of a Joshua Daniels tight end, you think of a Rob Gronkowski. How would he fit in that type of an offense? You start wondering all these questions. So, figuring out the sweet spot number there for him is what they have to figure out. For now, Darren Waller has been really just quiet about everything, been saying all the right things. But I just don't know if it will be worth it for him to even step on the field of that contract right now. Because, again, he's getting up there in age. He's 30 years old. It's a new system. And he's been underpaid for several years now. So I do think it's definitely a situation just to keep an eye on to see where this goes. It hasn't been reported that much nationally. But keep an eye on that and where it will be coming weeks.
2: Yeah, definitely going to pay attention to that Uh, as, again, the guys, they all reported uh, yesterday and then the first day of actual practice was today. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with Darren Waller and his contract as far as just the play on the field. What are your expectations? Josh McDaniels has always been considered a very good play caller, and he's got very good weapons in Devontae Adams, Darren Waller assuming that he gets on the field, and, of course, Hunter Renfro, and then you got a running game as well. What What are your expectations for the Raiders team offensively?
5: You know, it's crazy to think about, but if the Raiders were in any other division, I would feel so comfortable with be raining praise right now. Like, they could, quite frankly, finish fourth in the AFC West, and if they were in any other division they would be in first and it'd be like no problem for me to say that. It's like it's such a tough division to be in and I feel like everyone's making their predictions right now mm-hmm. and everybody has some sort of a scenario where all four of these teams are making the playoffs or if ESPN has the Chargers and the Broncos and Chiefs, a uh, different one has the Raiders, Chiefs and Broncos, like some way somehow everyone has these four teams making the playoffs. but we know when the season ends the likelihood of that happening is probably unlikely. One of these teams are not going to make it, or maybe two of these teams are not going to make the playoffs. So where is the hole? The thing with the Raiders that I like, Josh McDaniel getting his second shot at being a head coach. He took 10-plus years to take his time to come back to becoming head coach. There's a lot of people who strongly believe during that time that he's been away. He's learned a lot, learned from his mistakes that he had in Denver, and he has been preparing for this moment for a while, whether it was with Bill Belichick, with the offensive people that he had in New England, with that staff, learning what it takes and learning from his mistakes. While you look at a guy like Nathaniel Hackett and Denver, he's in Denver, this is his first shot during the he, he could very much be a good head coach, but we all know that first-year head coach, not all of them have immediate success. He also has a new quarterback there in Russell and how will that all gel? I just really believe that Josh McDaniel, with this shot that he's getting right now, That he's ready for this, and he's going to have this team ready to exceed the expectations. We all know about the talent, but I think he's prepared and knows what's about to go into it. And I feel like nationally, a lot of people are starting to give the Raiders a lot of praise. Um, I've seen Rich Eisen, for example, just talking about them endlessly. I think this is a team that, as training camp continues, we'll be hearing a lot more about them, a lot more praise about them.
2: I agree, uh, and there's been a lot, and I, ca- I continue to try to bring it to the table every time I, I hear someone on the national scene give the Raiders a lot of props because I'm hearing a lot more of it. And I think we're going to continue to hear a lot more of it. Of course, the big acquisition for the Raiders this offseason was Devontae Adams. What does that alpha dog bring to the table uh, or bring to that, that whole locker room and, and just the team in general, having a guy like Devontae Adams? What does he do for the rest of the team?
5: Well, I mean, it just opened up everything else. I mean, listen, you mentioned Hunter Rengrove. You mentioned Darren Wall, you have the running in with Josh Jacobs, and obviously you have Derek Carr, a guy who he played in college, and they already had their rhythm going back to that, and they've been practicing endlessly already since he arrived in Las Vegas. I mean, there's just so many great connections there I along mean, of that team. I mentioned Daniel before with Carr. I McDaniels went to Las Vegas because he also liked Derek Carr, so there's that element to it as well. But... Devontae just makes everything else open up. Like it will be double coverage on him, which means what do you do now with Hunter Renko? What are you do with, with Darren Waller? What are you do with Foster Moreau? Another very young tight end on that team. Um, what are you do with uh, DeMarcus Robinson on the team if he makes it on the field? It just opens up everything else. We have such a superstar wide receiver. And it's not like a situation where like Tyreek Kelly going to Miami, teaming up with Chua. They have to get that rhythm down. He knows Derek Carr. They played together in college. They're best friends and buddies. So I think they're going to have this all down right away, which obviously is another big element for this as well. So really, like like I mentioned before, the connections that are on this team and the fact that McDaniels wanted to coach Carr, Carr wanted Devontae Adams, Adams wanted Carr, a lot of things that are just working toward the Raiders that are a big plus this year compared to other situations we have new people coming in.
2: Good stuff, Ari. We definitely appreciate you. You got anything coming out of Pro Football Focus that we need to be on the lookout for?
5: Yeah, I mean, training camps is always going. we Vader's already there. I think a lot of great content coming up here on pff.com. Um, training camp, camp battle, um, the Ari Marrow NFL show. We just had Jeremy Fowler on. Another big coming up next week. And, of course, it's follow the Twitter page. Add my update for all your NFL news.
2: Thank you so much. Appreciate you as always, my man. Good stuff. There he goes. Ari Mayrod from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at MySportsUpdate. We definitely appreciate his time this afternoon. Phone got a little squirrely there at the end, so didn't want to uh, keep holding on to him while he was uh – his phone sound like he was getting into an area where it didn't like us anymore. So uh, good stuff, though, from Ari. He's very detailed in his answers, and we definitely appreciate that. 340 is the time. Got some more text messages I want to get to. 69187, keyword r Plus, Andre James, he met with the media. You'll hear that conversation next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. What does it mean to be a Raider? What To you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man,
1: being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the just the jersey or just the, just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about, it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back, Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness.
0: Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q.
2: Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll be checking in with Vinny Bonsignor. He's at the Pub, pub 365, DeMond Spot. He's there going to be hanging out, so uh, you can, we encourage you to go by and check him out and get hooked up with some Raider Nation Radio 920 t-shirts, get hooked up with some other prizes, plus have some good food and drinks, and Vinny's out there, so you can pick his brain all things training camp. As he was out there bright and early. We both were out there about 6.30 this morning. We'll both be out there about 6.30 tomorrow morning. I mean, we're going to be out there uh, bright and early. You know, we're, we're waking you up from uh, Raiders training you camp. You say
3: bright and early, but is it even bright when you get there? Um...
2: Yeah, actually, it is. It, it usually gets pretty bright around 530. Uh, I usually see what happens at the house. What it happened was, now at the house, uh, the wife always wakes up before me. Her alarm goes off at 530, and so I just get up and, and turn on the news, and we start watching. That's on a traditional day. But on a day like today, my alarm woke, up, woke me up first. So I had to get up at 5, and then because it's still dark at that time, it's I, I try my best to do everything in the dark so I don't wake her up. So I let her sleep a little bit longer. So I literally take a shower in the dark, which is hilarious. And I get dressed <laughs> in the dark, but it is what it is. So by the time we got to the facility about six 30, it was actually light out. But yeah, for the first half an hour to 45 minutes of me being awake, uh, it's still dark outside. And so I'm trying to navigate through, through the dark, just so I don't wake her up. And the funniest thing ever and I know this is way too many details about my morning uh, my morning routine. But I have an electric tooth toothbrush. So while I'm trying to put the toothpaste on the toothbrush in the dark and my toothbrush is black, it's not very <laughs> easy. So I'm trying to find it. And then before I tell you, you know, you can't just turn on the toothbrush and you don't know if you have if you have a uh, toothpaste on it because then it's going to fly everywhere. So I literally have to try to lick it with my tongue to see if there's some toothpaste on there. And then when I find out that there is, I'm like, okay, cool. I made it. So, <laughs> so there's that it's always an issue, but uh, luckily it doesn't happen too often, but it's going to happen again tomorrow morning. So maybe I could find a flashlight or something. I don't know, but uh, getting dressed in the dark and getting, taking a shower in the dark is not the easiest thing to do, especially when you are dark. I mean, you know I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got some got, husband in right there. Yeah, I mean, to hey, man, that's real, though. That's real. I, I, I just, you know, hey, man, I understand. Everyone ain't got to be up at that time, so why you know, why should I make her suffer? So it's pretty funny. But uh, I, I kind of somewhat laugh at myself at times when I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. But, I mean, it is what it is. my own fault, right? <laughs> so there you go. 3.47 is the time. Been throwing out the, the question. What's your excitement level when it comes to the start of training camp as far as what are you focused on? each and every day in camp. You know, what would you like us to focus on? If you had a daily report, what would you like to hear about coming from us? And we'll hear from Andre James in just a minute, but I saw this text from Raider Gax, I think, G-A-X. Uh, Q, I've been seeing and hearing rumors about Anthony Barr potentially visiting the Raiders, and with that rumor out there and Perriman looking for a new contract about uh, what, what, what would that mean for this defense, uh, and that's from Raider Gax. And I, I have to admit, I haven't heard that rumor. I haven't seen uh, Anthony Barr. Uh, who is a heck of a linebacker, but I haven't seen that rumor about him visiting with the Raiders, and I do know Denzel Perryman wants a contract extension, and the money that he's making this year is not very much. I mean, it really isn't. Now, obviously, any money that these guys make is a lot more money than we're making, but I believe his base salary for this year is about $1.3 million, or $1.1 million. It's, not, it's It's very minimal, and he had a heck of a year last year, Pro Bowl season, and he is going into the final year of his deal, or he's in the final year of his deal, on his contract, so uh, I don't know. The Raiders may let him play it out. We talked about it on the show yesterday. We talked about Waller and Perriman. You know which guy would you pay? But uh, I think that the Raiders will probably just go ahead and let him play it out. I don't. I don't think that they're going to do anything. They might. They might address his contract. Maybe give him an extra year. I don't know. I'm not too sure what they would do with that, but I haven't heard anything about uh, Anthony Barr visiting the Raiders. If I do, definitely bring it to the table. Uh, one more quick note that I did have, though, that had to do with the contract, had to do with Denzel Good, and this came from uh, Field Yates from ESPN. He put out there earlier this morning that Denzel Good has agreed to a reworked contract. He was previously due a base salary of $3.09 million, which was reduced to $1.03 million with a chance to earn 425000 in incentives, he's returning from a torn ACL suffered in Week One last season. And he was out there practicing today, so he restructured his contract. You know, changed it up a little bit uh, and reduced his base salary all the way down to 1.035 million dollars. So uh, clearly, he wants to be a, a member of the Silver and Black. It feels like that that was one of those: Hey, you take this pay uh, reduction and this restructure, or uh, or or you get released. And so he chose to stick with the Raiders. At least that's what it sounds like. It's not necessarily. I mean, I'm not hearing that from the horse's mouth. I'm just saying that that's what it looks like to me. So that's a little bit of a little nugget about the Raiders offensive line as far as Denzel Good, who, as I mentioned, was out there practicing today. He was not on the PUP list, the pup list. Uh one guy who was also out there practicing was center Andre James going into his second year with the Raiders as far as being the full time starter. We expect him to be the full time starter. Here was that conversation from earlier today.
4: Saw some center exchanges, fumbles, you guys running laps or anything like that. Just wanted to get into the thought process behind that. It just feels like you guys aren't you these little things become big things. Holding yourselves accountable. Right,
6: it's uh, it's all about the details. These these coaches are super detail oriented, and uh, we love that. Uh, yeah, we need to clean up some of the snaps. Uh, you know, first day back at it. Uh, you got different uh, QBs, different centers doing exchanges. So uh, it, it's um, it's just something we need to clean up, and it's something we're going to continue to work on. And uh, yeah.
4: Is that kind of a big picture thing, though, uh, in terms of the accountability itself
6: for this team? Exactly. I think that would be a good picture to just uh, to show you what's going on here, just to show you that we're not going to let little things slip. You know, uh, there's accountability for everything that we do, and that's just something that uh, this coaching staff has brought in, and something that's going to be a part of now practices. So, how does it feel for you,
1: being this second time, second year that you are kind of anchoring this offensive line and stepping into that role? of kind of being a leader on that offensive line. What's it like for you now in that role? How do you
6: feel about it? I feel really good. You know, second year, uh, I feel like this is, this is going to be a big year for me, uh, for, as is for a lot of guys. Uh, now being able to get back into it and, you know, kind of know what it's like now. Uh, have some games under our belt. So I'm super excited to grow on the past and just keep moving forward. As much as you might try to block out noise, I mean, it, it's tough to hear like expectations. And also, hey, this offense is going to be really good as long as the offensive line plays well. Like, you, you have to hear that. What does what does that make you think about? It and, and how do you feel about those things? You know, I, I do. Uh, I feel like a lot of guys here, including myself, do a good job of blocking out the noise. We're super excited about the guys that have been added to this team. You know, we got a lot of new faces, a lot of a lot of good players, and we're just super excited just to get out there and work together and just keep growing. So we're super excited.
5: It seems like you guys have a couple
3: spots out there where there's some competition. Um, how can that internally kind of help you guys get better just having that throughout
6: training camp? Oh, no doubt. There's, there's a lot of competition. I, I feel like any, you know, everyone, uh, there's competition all over and I feel like every job is open. So uh, competition only brings out the best of people. So uh, no, no one's safe and uh, you just got to keep uh, keep working. You know, we, I go out there with a mentality, you know, my job can be taken any day. And uh, with that type of mentality, I feel like you, it pushes you to work harder and it keeps you on your toes and never getting comfortable.
2: Yesterday, uh, John Simpson said that Dylan Parham was a, a good rookie. And so him being kind of directly behind you is kind of like that backup center kind of role. What's been your experiences
6: with Dylan so far? No, he, he, yeah, he's a really good rookie. He, he plays a lot of different positions, which is uh, which is super, super important as being an offensive lineman, especially when you can only dress so many people, you know, during a game. So to have a guy like Dylan who can play all different positions is super important. You know, he keeps uh, the room stocked up with snacks, and that's what's important to us
4: as offensive line. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, change on the offensive line last year: transition, injuries, trades, all that type of stuff. Um, uh, do you guys ever feel like you eventually kind of settled in and started building some cohesiveness and, and chemistry?
6: Oh no, yeah, no doubt. Towards the end of the year, we uh, we got super comfortable with each other and started to to really mesh towards one another, and that, that's what you want as offensive line. But that, to do that, it takes a lot of a lot of time, a lot of uh, reps, and a lot of games being put under your belt. So now we just want to build out under what we have and what we've done in the spring, what we've done in the past. You know, understanding how we want to fit into combinations. You know, just keep building on top of what we've done. So,
3: John Simpson
6: took
5: there. a tumble mm-hmm. out there, and then I think Tyrone fell down, you know, too, to kind of play it off. Mm-hmm. Is it so important to keep things lighthearted, you know, especially on a first day like this? Oh
6: yeah, no doubt. You're gonna you're gonna have some guys down on the ground the first day, just getting your feet back under you, getting, you know, your pad level down again. So uh, it, it's funny to see some guys fall down. and Make sure they're not hurt, but it's always funny to see that.
0: <laughs> Andre, um, UCLA, and that other school, and. In-
6: the team we won't talk about. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> thoughts on that?
6: <laughs> I I got a lot of thoughts. You know, um, it, it was an interesting decision. Uh, I honestly I didn't see it coming. I thought it was going to be just rumors, you know. But uh, I feel like it's good competition. Honestly, at the end of the day, it's good competition. It's a chance to play different teams and different conferences, and you know, if you're uh, if you're a team, you want to play the best. And so I think that's what you're going to get with uh, this with, with, with this switch.
2: You keep so sorry. your alumni dues, then you're not that upset. <laughs> no. You guys all set? All right. Oh, thank you, guys. There you go, Senator Andre James, and you heard, uh, you heard Paul Gutierrez right there at the end talk about UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten, or maybe that team that we're not talking about in uh, USC. But uh, yeah, that's that was a, a, a fun storyline right there. And Andre James is obviously a proud UCLA alum, so it was good to hear. From him. Three fifty five is the time. When we come back, I got a couple text messages I want to get to, got some calls to get to, and there's a piece out on ESPN.com that Bill Barnwell put out that I want to kind of go over that as well. So we got a lot coming up in the last hour. We'll check in with vinnie Bonsignor as well. He's out at Pub three sixty five. So uh stay locked and loaded, man. We got a lot for you. Final hour, it's a big hour. Uh like Bart Scott would say on ESPN, it's the power hour, hour, hour coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty.